Welcome to episode five of Nearsighted Podcast. I'm Brandon, and with me is my co-host, Big John Eisner. How you doing, John? I'm good. I'm good. I'm much better than um, I'm sure that the X amount of players that are on the WVU football team are doing. So uh, <laughs> I can't. Com- I can't complain. Yeah, they. Uh, I'm sure they've been through the ringer this week already, and it's only Tuesday. So, uh, but yeah, um, a lot of news this week. You know. Uh, some of our fans are getting a little, a little stir crazy about the loss and and everything else with uh, Jimbo being <laughs> being let go. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I love it. I love every moment of this. I think every coach should go through this because it just shows if you're a good coach or not. And for Neil Brown, I, look, you sent me a message on Monday, I believe it was during Neil Brown's. Um, news conference, and you said Neil seems. Would you say depressed or down? Yeah, I don't know how you put yeah, it. he was definitely a little lower than normal. Yeah, it's because Jimbo got fired, and he's like, "Uh oh, the one guy that they could let me go for is now available." Yeah, uh, and I think that that probably worries him, especially because he just got destroyed by an Oklahoma team that, in all honesty, isn't that good. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, uh, so, it literally I mean, couldn't have came out of the worst time for him. Right. I mean, I mean, terrible timing. And then, obviously, you know, like, the boosters aren't happy with the last five years. Like, everybody knows that. Uh, and the fact is, like, Neil Brown, if you support him or not, the one thing that you can look at and say is, like, he makes no changes. Like, no one has left his staff. He doesn't seem to care about that, you know, about that type of progress. And we're going to get into that in a few minutes because I'm pretty fired up about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm, I know I'm on the crazy side, but I don't think it's a bad idea for WVU to talk to Jimbo. Do I think that they should hire him? I don't know, but I'd talk to him. I think that it's worth seeing what he wants out of the program. Um, do I think Neil Brown should be the coach next year? Yeah. However, Jimbo wasn't available, you know, last time. So it sure. may be worth making making a move here we know what's going to come you know with neil brown right it's going to be eight and four is the top like that's going to be a great season for him look maybe you take a risk on jimbo and you you just crash and burn but at least you took the risk right like that's what texas a&m did they took a risk it didn't work out for them (laughs) this isn't the sec like this is we're not facing alabama we're not facing auburn uh he has the ability to be successful here and He's a great recruiter, so, I mean, maybe he's the guy to turn this program around. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, c- I can really see it both ways. You know me. I'm I'm pretty positive when it comes to Neil Brown, and, and I, I don't get right. into the debates, and I don't like to put down coaches or, or players for the most part. Like, I, I just think that it's bad business as a fan. It, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot whenever you start pointing fingers and, and really trying to make them, like, like break them down when they're already having a bad day or you know bad week or bad season whatever. So, um, what with that being said though, you know we've talked about this multiple times that coaches and players should be open to criticism, um, but there is a, an appropriate way to do that I think. Uh, so I'm not you know, ever gonna come out here and be like Neil Brown needs to be fired and stuff like that. Um, but I think this is a unique opportunity uh, with what's going on in the program and Jimbo coming available. And 
Um, but we, we don't even really know if he's wanting to coach, you know, he's about to get paid $70 million to sit on his butt for the next 10 years. So, I mean, maybe he doesn't even have interest in, in, uh, in continuing his career. Maybe this is the, this is it for him. I mean, we don't really know. So I'm with you on the, you know, WVU entertain a phone call possibly just to kind of see where he's at with, with his career and the ideas of coming back to West Virginia or like what's next for him. Um, I do think that the flip side of the timing is that Neil Brown, regardless of what people want to say about our, our schedule this year being easy at the beginning of the season, when we were deemed 14th by the media, they also voted on strength of schedules based on all of those things. And they came up with us having one of the hardest schedules in the big 12. Obviously, those teams that were supposed to be at the top, like the TCUs and Texas Tech, like they didn't pan out. Um, so the, the our schedule looks very poor now. But I think that there was most likely expectations set before the year started based on what we knew going into the season that I think that Neil Brown's safe. Um, but again, you know, Jimbo really throws a wrench into it. I think, um, regardless of of the outcome of the season, uh, what do you th- what What would you say is your uh, your safe number? Do you think there is a number, or is it just purely whether or not Jimbo wants to come here? You talking about like a wins number? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, in all honesty, I, I think it's eight. I think that's the safe number. If he gets to eight, then boosters probably settle down. Uh, but here is my thing. In all honesty. If Jimbo was to to make the call and be like, "Hey, WVU, like I'm I'm ready to come home," I don't think that there is a safe number. Like if if he's the guy who makes the call, yeah, that would be like pre that would be like pre Bob Huggins like getting in trouble, like him calling the university and being like, "Hey, I'm ready." You know, obviously that doesn't work now, but <laughs> you know before he came before he came back, like he was the guy that they wanted. Yeah, uh, I think Jimbo is the same exact way. Plus. I mean, look at West Virginia. Like, we love hiring West Virginians. Like, yeah. we love it. It's a great It's a great story. He's from Clarksburg, uh, which, I mean, little known fact, I was born in Clarksburg, so you're welcome. Uh, Jimbo <laughs> and myself are both. He actually delivered you. Both, <laughs> he did, actually. He delivered me. Um, and thank God Texas A&M wasn't there to fumble me. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think the safest number for, for Neil and I get well. I guess to make this less clear, right now Neil is safe. The only way that he is not safe at, at six wins is if Jimbo makes the call. Yeah, but I think if Jimbo makes the call, there is no safe number. Okay, I mean I think that's fair. I mean I think that in my opinion, I I always said getting bowl eligible this year was kind of the goal, and obviously again mm-hmm. that was preseason. I think it's unfair to move the goalposts continuously like we have the whole year. I mean, yeah. every game yeah. it was, if they if, if, if he wins this game, we're going to believe in him. If he wins this game, we're going to – it just kept going every single week. You know? And then we lost, and people lost hope again. And then it was like, well, if we win this game, like it just, it's been moving the whole year. And I think that's super unfair. Uh, but I do think that Jimbo aside, I think he's already safe. Uh, I'm with you. The only way I think that there is a potential issue with his – uh, you know, I guess <laughs> career continuing here is if Jimbo decides that he wants to come. And then um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, seven regular season wins at least and, and a bowl win is a guaranteed 
I think. I think eight regular season wins with a bowl win loss, I think he's still in trouble. Yeah. Um, uh, I would, I, I think that that's probably fair. I, I think the bowl, you're right. I think the bowl game is a, a big issue. Uh, but I'm just going to be honest too. Like I'm fine if they don't hire Jimbo, like in all honesty, I really am. But I think it would be a- athletic male practice by Ren Baker to not make a phone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just like when they were hiring a coach, you know, he, he, you know, came out and said that he had some conversations with people that were expected to have conversations with. um, But obviously they decided to go internal and then, you know, finish the search next year. So I think it's probably, you're probably right. I think the, I I wouldn't be surprised if the conversation hasn't already happened at this point uh, or has been set up at this point. I don't think that it's, to have the the basic where we're at conversation um is foul play at the end of like before the end of the year so obviously you know they kind of have to have a plan and everything like that as well so but um yeah I don't know I'm, I Neil Brown has my full support until he's not the coach here so yeah, he has some things to fix you know we'll talk yeah. about later yeah but he is the head coach until we're told otherwise uh, yeah, I I totally agree. I'm not advocating for him to be let go. Yeah, but I am saying I am saying that WVU needs to do what is in its best interest. And the last thing I'll say is, hey, you know, you did like I mentioned. You kind of you kind of said at the presser, you were like, yeah, he just seems a little bit down. I mean, we you and I were fortunate enough to meet Ren Baker. I think, in all honesty, like he just seems like a pretty open and honest guy. If he was having that conversation or wanting to have that conversation with Jimbo, I honestly think he would tell Neil. Yeah. I think he would he he would say, Look, we haven't made any decision yet, but we're just gonna tell you now, like, we're gonna call this guy. Yeah. So I guess one last thing, John, to touch on for this whole coaching discussion. Let's say and and this is obviously premature, there's still two games, there's still a bowl game, things can change, you know, recruiting can change. There's a lot of stuff that could change before the end of the year. And before next season starts, what do you think the football team needs to do moving forward staff wise if Neil Brown is still here? Well, uh, that's funny uh, that you mentioned that there's there's one guy on the so you're saying what staff changes? Should yeah, be there, made? there are some contracts that are coming up. I don't have the specifics. I know there's three or four um, assistants or coordinator jobs that are coming up and. So I, I'm just saying in general, you know, whether we have to pay them to leave or they're not retained or, or whatever, what are some changes that you think are necessary if Neil Brown wants to be successful moving forward? I think he has to move on from Jordan Leslie as defensive coordinator. Uh, again, I'm not, I don't like advocating for people to not have their jobs anymore. Like that sucks. Jordan Leslie though is underperforming at an alarming rate. So let's take a look real quick because I was so I've been on this guy's case and and you can testify to this. I've been on Jordan Leslie's case a long time now, just because I think that he has been uh, schematically behind the times. Now to prove that I'll go over a little bit of these quick numbers. He became the, the standalone defensive coordinator in 2021, Brandon. Yep. So let's just, let's just look real quick in 2021. They were the fifth, overall offense when it came to points per game that's how i'm going to judge it because it's the big 12 
points are obviously the biggest deal in, mm-hmm. in the Big 12 because there's just so many. Uh, so 2021, they were fifth. 2022, they were ninth. 2023, they are 11th in the Big 12. Now you're thinking, eh, 9th to 11th, not a big deal. Here's the problem with this. In, two th- in 2020, when they had co-defensive coordinators, it was him and Adai, if you guys mm-hmm. remember and go back, Adai's the guy who it was between him and Leslie on who was going to get the D coordinator job, and the rumor was that he went with Leslie because he was more familiar with him, and that the other rumor was that Adai was a West Virginia guy, so it really didn't, he want to stick with him. Now, the problem with this, Brandon, is I think that, I know that Neil chose wrong, because when they were co-coordinators, WVU was first overall in points per game defense. Yeah. First overall. His defense, Leslie's, makes no adjustments. It hasn't grown at all during the season. He continues to have the same personnel looks that don't work. He has no rotation on the defensive line that works. And his safety play is atrocious, even though Neil is like, well, we don't really have anybody else. And that may be true, but you can scheme for what you have. Yeah. He doesn't. Le- Leslie looks lost at the Power Five. It's just, it, it, it's clear he shouldn't be the defensive coordinator there <laughs> i'm sure you saw like there's this like screenshot tweet going around of his wife like messaging someone and being like how do you like that defense yeah. now <laughs> i wish i i wish i could reply and be like no i still hate it like it's still that bad <laughs> yeah so that that would be a massive move for me okay cool yeah i mean i i would tend to agree again i'm, I'm with you i'm not i'm not calling for jordan leslie's job just having a conversation of, you know, maybe some things that we could improve on. And obviously the defense has been a pretty, pretty bad, bad spot for us. Um, and I don't even think mm-hmm. it's, it's really, there's, there are some, you know, deficits in personnel uh, this year, specifically with, with depth in general, we just have a lot of injuries and, and young people. And, um, but that at the end of the day falls on the recruiting and, um, you know, if if the defensive coordinator or the, the the position coaches aren't doing a good job recruiting or looking impressive enough to get the recruits, then obviously that's going to be a compounding issue. Um, so right now, I would say yeah. uh, definitely Jordan Leslie is is a questionable uh, candidate to be to be let go or not retained or maybe demoted. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a a situation where he just shouldn't be making the the final say on defense. Uh, maybe he's doing a good job with the position that he's specific to. And, um, but you know, obviously we've talked about this and we, we tweeted about it, but one of our, you know, keyed in people that we could fit right in there is actually a die. I think it would be awesome if we could potentially bring him back home and his contracts about to be up with Miami, uh, this, the end of the season. So it's, again, it's like a, perfect storm per se and i think that that's another phone call that people should be making that uh that have the power to do so but uh what about on the offensive side is there anything uh, that sticks out to you offensively that you think uh, i I'll, I'll say this before we go to to what you have to say yeah. um yeah i think that neil actually has done a pretty good job offensively this year as far as play calling goes mm-hmm. um especially you know in the, the middle of the season where where Garrett seemed healthy and felt like he could open the playbook up a little bit more. He was getting more comfortable. Obviously last week (laughs) isn't a great example. Um, There was just, there was a lot of things going the wrong way for us there, but overall this year, I I really feel like he's done, done all right. Um, But with that being said, I do think that 
having a true offensive coordinator would wouldn't be a bad look for Neil if he if he found somebody that you know kind of has and maybe it's even um Chad Scott. I mean, he seems to be doing really well recruit-wise, developing the position um with the running backs and so maybe you know he even fills in there, but uh, the big thing that I would like to see and haven't seen since Neil's been here is some uh, some quarterback development and I think that we keep floating back and forth with coach Reagan. He he's got the job and then he didn't have the job. Um uh, they moved him around to keep him on the staff and then Graham left and now he's back to quarterback coach again. I just think that it seems like something isn't clicking there with the people that we've had where uh which obviously there wasn't even a great development with with Graham Harrell here, but he was only here for one year versus Reagan's been here for I think four years or maybe the total five. So I think that that's yeah. probably a spot on offense that I would look if, if we're going to make some staff changes. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. I, I am not an advocate for any coach at all. And this is just a preference of mine. I, it, a lot of people may disagree. I am not a advocate for a head coach to call plays. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that a head coach has so much responsibility that scheming offensive sets weekly doesn't make sense for them. They have too much on their plate. That doesn't mean that they can't be part of the conversation or anything like that. I just think it's too difficult. Plus, you're dealing when you're the head coach, you're dealing with every aspect of the football team on game day. You're not just worrying about the offense, right? So I, I think that head coaches should give up uh, – play calling. I don't think that they should do it. I just think that they have too much going on. And I think in all honesty, Neil Brown has done a decent job. I think though, that there is probably someone better out there uh, to call plays. Do I think Neil Brown should be the head coach? Sure. Do I think that he has a good offensive mind? Yeah, he's pretty good, but I'm not sure that I would keep him as a play caller simply because his plays, he continues to do uh, I compare him to Zach Taylor in the NFL. Zach Taylor's the head coach of the Bengals. Uh, he's the same way. Like their play calling minus the first drive because every first drive is uh, scripted. scripted. Yeah. Like you, you, yeah, you script it to death so it looks great. But afterwards, you have to adjust and you have to make calls that are not predictable. Neil struggles there. I mean, it, his calls are very predictable a lot of the times, and he runs the same plays over and over again. And I'm not sure if it's because he just really likes those plays or if he's not noticing it. And that's why I always worry about head coaches making the play calls is because they have so much going on. Um, so th that would be a change for me is to find someone, adjust to a new offensive coordinator who can make the play calls. Yeah. And you're right. It could, it could be uh chat Scott. It definitely could. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that being a bad option. Like I don't, I don't think you always have to go, like off the rails and find somebody who you know is a proven leader because sometimes they just don't fit mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter who's calling the plays if if they aren't you know meshing with the team and and with the other staff members and things like that so chad scott seems to be a guy that everybody really likes um obviously yeah. he's good um with the running backs and we're generally pretty run heavy right now so um again i i don't uh I don't want to ever think let people think that I'm advocating for people to lose their job. Just a conversation, uh, and John's the same way. We're we're just having entertaining a conversation about you know potential future of of the, the football program. 
Well, I don't think anyone in that scenario would have to lose their job. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean Neil Neil retains head coaching, right? Mm-hmm. He still does everything that he does now. He just doesn't make the play calls. He doesn't do the you know the scheming, and I think that that's good for him. Like, you know, I a head coach is a lot like the president, right? Like the president of the United States. That's what I compare him to. They start out like when they're first a head coach. Like, look, go back five years and look at Neil Brown when he first started. He's like this young guy who's just happy to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then f- fast forward to 2023. He he's worn down. You know he's been through a lot. There's people constantly calling for his head. Like that's stressful. And I think if you can delegate tasks like play calling to a trusted individual, that one is probably better for his mental health. But two, I think it's just better for the team overall. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he's like their president because 50% of the population wants him fired constantly. Well, that's why I said, that's why I said people are calling for his head. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's his, I'm glad they don't do approval rates for head coaches. Yeah, that's that all would, I'm saying. Yeah. That would be, uh, uh, <laughs> not great for, for the morale is he, he would go from, uh, 80%, uh, retainage a couple weeks ago to, uh, get him off the field at halftime at the Oklahoma game real quick. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's for sure. All right, well, let's get into the review of whatever we want to call what happened last Saturday. Ugh, uh, I call it yikes. Yeah, big yikes. So uh, WVU goes to Oklahoma, and we <laughs> really laid an egg. I will say one thing. Um, one of our predictions was that that Oklahoma was going to give up more than their average, which was, I think, their average last week for the, for the season was like 17 points. And we did beat that number. We got the 20. <laughs> so the, the, the bright spot is we uh, were better than yeah. average um, against them. It's just they were looked like an NFL team against us. So that didn't really help us out too much. Um, Dylan Gabriel, yeah. I've said this before. I, I don't think he's like a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's that great. Uh, I think he's probably one of the better quarterbacks that we faced this year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that he's spectacular i don't think it's somebody who's going to go to the next level and be like oh my god we knew that guy was going to be good i think he's gonna you know have his career here and then probably go maybe overseas football kind of thing or xfl or something like that and kind of fizzle out and go into his normal career i don't think that he's a a, a dude like they usually have a a quarterback at oklahoma and uh, he kind of just he kind of looked like he was a dude um, but there was mm-hmm. even flashes. I mean, you could see like when he had guys running all over us wide open and he was missing them by five, 10 yards. Like that we're lucky that he wasn't a good quarterback. That was what I would say about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd say we're lucky. I mean, the dude put up eight touchdowns against <laughs> us. Uh, so that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's luck or not, uh, but I, I get what you're saying. It's lucky that he didn't go for 200 touchdowns uh, at that rate. He was scoring at will 23-36, 423 yards in the air, five touchdowns, 50 yards added on the ground with three touchdowns. That's a total of eight, people. Uh, When you give up eight touchdowns to the opposing quarterback, you're not going to win a lot of games. And WVU has won zero games this season where they've given eight touchdowns to the opposing quarterback. (laughs) So there's a statistic for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, what's what's really and, funny too is ugh. is I would look at the screen 
and they're on like let's say the five six yard line and we would stop them stop them then they would spread the wide receivers out gabriel's just in the pocket by himself and i would just say this is a quarterback run right Mm -hmm. and then he would just walk in the end zone going back to the defense like how does that happen like i understand you can't cheat but at the same time especially later in the game when he already did it to you one time two times then a third time how do you not make an adjustment there well i think part of the problem there and i'm gonna i'm gonna stick up for jordan leslie here um even though it's it's partially his problem anyway when you establish the run like that it's it's tough because they're also beating you through the air so if you cheat up they're just gonna destroy you and that's why like those those qb runs that he throws in there are usually run pass options like sure, that's yeah. that's the options that they have there so for him like if you watch if you go back and look at the game there's a couple times where he takes like a three-step drop takes a step forward the defensive backs cheat up and he drills stoops over the middle yeah because they cheat up like that's the problem and i, I when you establish the run like that plus you have a, a guy who's you know completing passes at will and you don't have you know second a secondary you can depend on it's tough i mean at that at that rate and i think that's really what it was they just they could do whatever they wanted you know schematically again i think wvu struggled i don't think that they made a single adjustment um if you go and look drake stoops 164 yards three touchdowns go back and watch who lines up on stoops the majority of the time yeah it's burks yep the safety burks there's no reason why Burke should be lined up on stoops for one and two go back and watch as he's 10 yards off of him. Every time they line up, yeah. they play, they constantly played soft zone. They did not adjust. And when you do that, essentially what you're telling the wide receivers is find the middle of the zone, plant down and just wait for the ball. Yeah. Cause that's exactly what they were doing. That's all they're doing. Yep. And uh, I, I think that that was, that's what was happening. Uh, just you just can't do that against a team like Oklahoma, and you know the last thing to add there is you and I talked about it. Uh, one thing that WVU was gonna have to do was that they were gonna have to get home. They were gonna have to bring pressure, and they were gonna have to get home on the quarterback. They didn't do that. Yeah, they had two sacks the entire game, and I think both of them uh were pretty late in the game, or at least one of them was, and it really didn't matter at that point. Yeah. But shout out Sean Martin. He did have his first sack of the season in yep. November, which is just wild <laughs> another, to me. Another guy, another guy who should be performing better. Yeah. And I'm going to sound which really, really a- ignorant here going back to Drake Stoops, but I, <laughs> he had a, he had a literal career day against us. Like, I think it would, the number was like 30% of his, his yards to for this year were happened in the game against us in November. Like that is absurd. I don't, I'm just, like he's not bad. Look, I'm, like, he's he's kind of in that same realm as as Dylan Gabriel. He's not bad, and some days he looks really good. Doesn't Dylan Gabriel? Same thing. He looks good sometimes, but it, we made him look saying, like Julian Edelman, like legit, legitimately. All I'm saying is, if you go back to last episode, <laughs> I said the guy that they're going to have to watch is Drake Stoops. Sure, because it was obvious. Yeah, it was obvious that that is that is Gabriel's guy that's the guy that he trusts yeah he can make the play in the middle of the field he knows he's gonna he's gonna catch the ball it doesn't matter he doesn't care about yardage at that point he cares about a completion to to move the sticks 
that's Drake Stoops. That's why he's so good at what he does. He's not a flashy receiver by any means, but he's a guy that just does the things he's supposed to do. And so, uh, you know, they had to shut it down and they didn't. They, they did an uh, honestly uh, significantly below average job uh, of focusing on, on Stoops. Yep. Well, moving over to our offensive performance. <laughs> yikes. Uh, yeah, again, that's just going to be the name of this episode, maybe. Yikes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Green, you know, he's, he's our guy. We love him. Mm-hmm. He just, he was never comfortable. And, and nope. whether that's preparation, like the coaches all said that they felt like they had a great week of practice, which that could be the case. But, mm-hmm. and this is, this is back to another, another thing that just baffles me about the tenure is it seems like every year we have this game and and doesn't. Oh yeah. Like last year it was Texas. I think it was Texas where we just came out, laid an egg in the first half and then like started to kind of come back in the, in the second half, but still never got home. But it, it just, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. They don't understand either apparently because you know, in the press conferences, they're all like, we had a great week. We don't understand what's going on. Uh, you know, we got there. We didn't really see any issues until we lined up for kickoff, and then it was like everything went wrong. Like, well, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe there's some preparation issues uh, day of or something. I'm not sure, but regardless, Green looked super uncomfortable. He, he, um, you know, never really sat still and tried to to make good throws. He was he was constantly getting moved around, and that was obviously the offensive line. They got dominated. You know, which is the first time we've seen that happen this year, and I'm not really <laughs> also sure where that came from because I know Oklahoma State or Oklahoma has a, a solid defensive line, but we also have some pretty solid guys of our own, and it just seemed like they had their way with us. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this, and this is going to go back to what I said about Jordan Leslie. Uh, the reason why we struggled is that Oklahoma came out with a different look to start mm-hmm. and we made no adjustments i mean that that's what it is yeah. like we we never made an adjustment we ran the same type of scripted calls that we know that they're going to run that's just what they do and at that point when you're facing a team that when you line up against them and they are just better than you which as a coach you have to just be able to admit is like you know these guys are just better than us right just talent wise you have to make up for it. Yeah. And a lot of the times on offense, that means creativity. There is no creativity in that offense. It is so vanilla and bland. Like, people at a nursing home wouldn't eat it. It tastes that <laughs> bad. Like, that, that's the problem with this offense. And that's what you saw. I mean, Green looks uncomfortable the whole time because they're making no adjustments. There's no different rotations. Like, the, <laughs> they're literally... Watch the line. The line is doing the same thing over and over and over again and just getting destroyed. Yep. There's there's nothing. And to be fair, there's not a whole lot they could do. They could motion in a running back to play up on the line and be kind of the third guy, which is exactly what I said they should have done with CJ. Uh, they didn't do. They kept CJ as the lead back. We saw what happened. Yeah, he had a good he had a decent game, but it took what, fourteen carries for him to get seventy yards. Yeah. So I mean it wasn't like he was having a great day. Um, he's just a big guy that should be using him to protect green a little bit more. And if he's struggling with pass block, that's a problem. Uh, you have to make those adjustments. Green 10, 10 for 27, two touchdowns and a pick. He, man, we talked about last week. It was worse this week that he has 
these he his his footwork is incredibly bad right now and i it's got to be because he's just so uncomfortable but he's going to have to learn to be comfortable in spots where other quarterbacks can't be or he's not going to be the guy moving forward yeah. and i'm not trying to be like a jerk about it that's just the difference between a power 5 quarterback a successful one and a guy who's playing at Troy. Like, that's the difference. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think he knows that. I don't think I'm telling, I don't think I'm saying anything that, <laughs> that Garrett Green doesn't know. He has to be better. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't make easy throws. I mean, there were a lot of the times, man, he just, throws that, that should have just been simple just look so hard for him. And I, I don't know. I, he's just so uncomfortable. I don't know how to, how they're going to fix him this season. Yeah, and... And to to kind of take a little bit of heat off Green, when he did seem to get comfortable, and then we go back to the same problem that we've had the last five years, which is the wide receivers just aren't catching the ball. And not only are they not catching the ball, but you have Devin Carter completely give up on two tipped balls. One could have been a touchdown, and then the other yeah. one ended up being an interception because it's, he was like, oh, didn't catch it, and just like stopped the play. But the, the other team was like, the play's not over until the whistle's blown. You know, like they kept going, and able to intercept the ball and and uh that's another example of of why those should be called fumbles and not interceptions if if they go into the hands of the receiver but um yeah i i just it, it was a it was a baffling experience to say the least um and then you know you don't have you know two of them the more uh i guess like qualified players right now you have preston fox and, and rodney gallagher both weren't really used i mean preston fox was on the field at least gallagher it seemed like they used him the one play and then they just never put him back in it was weird i need to uh, i need an answer from the coaches on this does it does gallagher just have bricks for hands yeah because the only time <laughs> they ever use him is wide receiver around yeah like that's what they do they run a they run a they put him in motion and hand it to him and they do that four times a game and it's the same play over and over and over again but and that's a problem, obviously. Again, it goes back to the predictability of the offense. It's very predictable. He should be out there more. He's extremely quick. You need a quick receiver who's able to run a, a fast curl route or a quick slant to get open to make your quarterback more comfortable to get the ball out of his hand as quickly as possible. Yeah. You, don't have, you don't have four and five seconds for a play to develop against Oklahoma. That's not how this works. Yeah. And... Neil Brown knows that they have to get better. They, that's just a huge miss on on planning uh, and strategy wise. I mean, Preston Fox, there's no excuse why he's not used more. He is the most consistent wide receiver. I'll say it every week if I have to. He's the most consistent player on this team. He's the person who this team should be relying on more. And they continue to go to guys like Carter, which is fine. Carter is obviously a very athletic player. But if I I've never seen a player quit more in the fourth quarter than I have Carter this year, especially last game. Yeah. He just disappears. That guy could be a total game changer. And again, I'm not saying this to be a jerk. I'm saying this because I expect a lot more from a guy like that. And, it, you know, it's not just us that saw this. Everybody saw Carter quit on those plays. Yeah. Yeah, I, I called it, it immediately. I mean, his, yeah, like the, the one in the end zone that he could have ended up catching for a touchdown. If you just look at him, he immediately just puts his head down and starts turning around and the ball literally falls right in front of him. It's like, yeah. well, I just don't get it. I, I yeah. don't get it, man. And again, I'm going to go back and question a little bit. Like 
that's discipline, man. Like that's that's what we've talked about throughout this entire season. When this team loses, you can look at the game film and go, "Yep, they were extremely undisciplined that game." Yeah. Go back and watch the film. They don't run. They don't run all the way through the routes. They quit on Garrett Green. They don't catch easy, you know, passes. Garrett Green doesn't get out of the pocket like he should. Think, you know, just simple stuff that they should be doing very easily, or or just Garrett making a, a quick throw, an easy throw, and and being yeah, done with the, the play. The routine when he tries short to extend plays too are, far. are really right. where we're lacking for it's sure. Ju- it's just undisciplined ball right now, and when you do that against a team that's very disciplined like Oklahoma, that's what happens. And again, it just this is where I'm like, you know, do they make the call to Jimbo? Because I'm all about like, you know supporting Neil Brown and things like that. But I can't continue to look at a team. I'm fine with you losing, right? Teams lose. Yeah. But I can't I can't stand watching the same undisciplined play every single week and being like, when is this going to be fixed? Yeah. No, it's the I'm going to fix it mentality that, that Huggins had for the whole beginning of last year <laughs> that didn't really go yeah. over well. Like, wh- when – yeah, when when do we fix this? Yeah. When does this happen? It's like it's like letting your like your basement starts to flood and you're like, "Don't worry, I'll have this fixed by tomorrow." You get back there tomorrow and it's like completely flooded. You're like, "It's all right. Like, I know how to swim. It's no big deal, right?" But it's still <laughs> your basement. You should have stopped the flooding. I've got a snorkel, so, no problem. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like, okay, it, we'll fix it at some point. Well, you're uh, you know, what? 10 games in? Yeah. You, it should be fixed. Point blank. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I know it's it's weird because there's there are so many things going not the way that he needs them to go, plus all the problems yeah. that he just yeah. has from a staffing perspective and a personnel perspective. Like, there's a lot of things. In it, but at the end of the day, you know, there's no excuses. If any any time you have a job, if you're not performing, no matter what's going on in personal life or what other obstacles you have to face during your normal workload, like you have to do your job and. At the end of the day, that's you know they'll have to answer for all that. Um, but let's that let's coach? let's move on. Yeah, let's let's move on to uh to previewing our our game this all week right. against Cincinnati. Sounds good. Uh, let's let's go over to their offense real quick. Brandon, this this is going to be a weird statistic. Okay, <laughs> I don't I I when I looked at this, I said I I didn't understand it. <laughs> this it's is a BYU this statistic. Is extremely. This is a this is this this takes me back to BYU. All right, so statistically, they rank sixth in the Big Twelve in yards per game. They give up four hundred and forty three six. That's pretty good in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Problem is, they rank eleventh in points per game. <laughs> so although they they hold teams to, you know, four forty three, they're giving up twenty five. Brandon, what does that tell us? That tells us they're turning the ball over a lot. There we go. It tells us that they turn the ball over, especially in the opponent's territory. And that's what we need right now. Yes. Uh, let's focus. Let's focus on that offense real quick. Um, Brandon, I don't know how much you've watched of them. I went back and rewatched the Houston game. They're, they're a very, very balanced offense. 220 average passing, 223 rushing per game. You can't get more you can't get more balanced than that. Yeah, yeah that's uh, uh <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you do. Yeah. What what else I'm do you I'm still do? baffled by this 25 points a game and you're averaging 443 yards. Yeah, like you're get yeah, I mean, 
That's wild. I, I, I just don't know. I, it, it's in, it's insane. You turn the ball over too much is what that tells me, which is great for us. When they started this year, so they have first year head coach Satterfield. He came from Louisville. I still, I, I went and looked this up because I was like, uh, let's be honest, right? Like I love Cincinnati. It's like a second home to me. But would Brandon, would you leave Louisville for Cincinnati, like that job in football? Um, probably not. I wouldn't. Is there, uh, there's there's some, no doubt. something tying it to Cincinnati. It's also nope. just Here's kind of like right reason. over the border, essentially, right? Right. And you're moving from the ACC to a brand new Big 12. Team, yeah. Right. Here's the problem. Satterfield was struggling at Louisville, it comes to find out. They were kind of on their last, you know, bit with him. So he took the job in Cincinnati, brought his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. So they all left, came to Cincinnati. It's their first year there. Uh, and when they got there, there were only three returning players on offense. Wow. So that's tough. Yeah. And uh, Emory Jones, he was at Florida, I believe, right? Previously? I think so. Yeah, he's a transfer. Yeah. Uh, he came in, and he, I have tagged him as, you know, have you ever seen the movie The Longest Yard? <laughs> yeah. And they're the, they're the mean machine, right? Okay. Well, he's the turnover machine. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> because he's got 10 interceptions on the year. This is a guy that's been sacked 24 times, uh, which is funny because he has 455 yards on the ground at three touchdowns. Like he's a fast guy, yeah. but he gets sacked a lot and he loves to throw it to the opposing team. So that's to be somewhere that we should be able to take over. We'll talk about that when we get to our defense, but initial thoughts there, Brandon, what about Emery? Yeah. I mean, 15 touchdowns and 10 interceptions is not a, a ratio that you think, uh, when you think of college football, uh, maybe maybe in the in the pros you might see something like that, like a one and a yeah, half. Yeah, a guy ratio. named Mac Jones. Yeah, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> it's the last name. Did you, it, wait. Oh gosh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> do you do you think this is like a Mac Jones instead of Emory Jones? Is that what we should call him? Ooh, that's what we should call him. A Mac Jones. <laughs> What's his name? Mac He's Jones. Still um, He's still better. He's still better. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think some key players that we're going to see here, uh, the running back, Corey Kiner, is 885 yards on the ground, five touchdowns, averaging, you know, five and a half yards a carry. That's pretty solid numbers, you know, this late into the season. He's a bulky dude. Yeah, and he's, he's a bulky yeah, dude. big dude. Um, and then their, their leading receivers are Xavier Henderson and Braden Smith, who have 48 and 38 catches, respectively. Uh, respectively and yeah, it's uh, – Again, it's it's like a high high production offense with no points. It's just such such a strange situation. So, it's definitely not a game that I think that anybody in the program is overlooking, especially after last week, because the game after a big loss like that is always so up in the air. It's like, do the guys buy in or do they jump ship? And you definitely can't have afford to have any players jumping ship against this team because they're uh, things going right away from being a really good team with these numbers. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the offense definitely could get it done if they can stop, you know, the turnover machine, quote unquote. <laughs> I can't believe you called him that. That's so rude. Uh, uh, this, you're right. This offense, it will take, I promise you, it will take one to two turnovers for WVU to win this game. You cannot, if this offense has no turnovers, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because that's, that's what this offense is. Uh, known for is heavy turnovers. They looked good against Houston last week. Uh, 
that's not saying much. Houston's defense has been struggling for a long time. They even struggled against us, but you know, we struggled there too. Uh, but that being said, this offense can click really quick. Uh, it, it's something that can get up the field very fast. There's a guy on this team <laughs> that I wanted to highlight. No one's highlighting him. Okay. Look, he's my, he's my guy to watch. We'll probably be back here next week saying, I told you so. I hope actually I don't hope. I hope I'm wrong. Jimbo Five hopes you're right. Seven. <laughs> Jimbo hopes I'm right. That is true. Jimbo's like, please have big John be right about this. Uh, Jimbo actually called me and asked me to do this. I don't know if you guys know. He this. put this on your radar. <laughs> he actually told me about this guy. <laughs> uh, this guy's five foot seven. He's a wide receiver. His name is Aaron Turner. Now, look, I got plenty of jokes, right? This guy's not a laughing matter. I watched this dude run up the field against Houston, and thought I was running in two. I thought I was watching in two times speed. Yeah, legitimately, I was like, "Holy cow!" Here's the problem, though. He didn't have a lot of catches, right? Like he, for some reason, he doesn't always end up with the ball. And I think a lot of the times as I was watching the game, Mr. Jones, the quarterback, tends to underthrow his receivers on yeah. long down the field passes. That's like the normal speed arm. ones. Imagine if the guy's running twice as fast as everybody else. Well, <laughs> well, I'm talking about this dude in particular. Oh, okay. This dude beat a bunch of, a bunch of defensive backs uh, on one play specifically and could have walked into the end zone and was underthrown by four yards. I mean, it was <laughs> like, it was bad. Yeah. Uh, but he's so quick. I, I promise you, if they put Burks on this guy, it's game over. <laughs> we will lose. But this guy will have 300 yards, five touchdowns. And it, I don't know who he might, he may just for just to show off, he might run backwards, then forwards. Like he's that fast. <laughs> Gonna have we a Tavon 500 a... all-purpose yard game against us. That's who. That's who he reminds me yeah. of. I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad you brought him it's up. The, it's the initials. I didn't want to say T A. I mean, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, it's Austin Tavon. Right. <laughs> so he's a guy that I was just like I was impressed with on the film. Just he doesn't have a lot of catches, but that doesn't mean he can't catch the ball. So we're gonna have to have a game plan there. Henderson and Smith both very good. Uh, to be honest, I'm not super impressed by Kiner. Like, I, I think he's a fine running back, but like nothing. He didn't jump off the, you know, jump off tape. A uh, couple things that I see from this offense. They run a ton of pistol. A ton. Uh, they use it to keep the D off balance. They are heavy on play action. And I mean, like, play action even early in the game where they haven't even established the run. Yeah. So... Look for that to be a, a key factor. Quarterback likes to take off, uh, doesn't go through his reads all the way, but that's just because he's so fast he can. Um, but yeah, run a lot of pistol, a lot of play action. Look for early and often. Uh, and to be honest, they, I mean, they're they're fine. But again, I'm just going to say, like they, we have to get pressure. Yeah. If we don't have pressure, Jones is going to light us up, and that's going to be sad to watch. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> What's really funny about the of, about last week's game is I think that the the PFF actually had us as like the most pressures we've we've had all year. We just never got home, which is more important. Yeah, I don't know. I was looking at that too, and yeah, the pressures were high. But then I I was starting to watch and look, and I was like, I mean, they're they're definitely yeah, generous. They were they were generous. I felt like a lot of the pressures were late, like like. Dylan Gabriel already knew where he was going with the ball, yeah. already knew he was going to take off. Um, 
And if you watch too, like their line kind of collapsed backwards to beat the rush on a pass. So I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe that's what they generate as a pressure. I wasn't, I didn't see that very much early. I thought we'd have a pretty decent shot. And then towards probably the late first, early second, I thought, uh Oh, like we got nothing for them. Yeah. Well, uh, I definitely think we're going to have, yeah, yeah. Right. (laughs) I think we're definitely going to have our, our work cut out for us on defense, especially with the the performances we've been putting up this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's move over to their defense. Oh, they're uh, <laughs> they're pretty solid. I mean, they're they're ranked. Yes, they again, are. this is another baffling stat. It's like they're ranked fourth in the Big Twelve, but they have only one win in the Big Twelve, mm-hmm. and they're only allowing yep. three hundred sixty three yards a game. And but they're giving up almost twenty seven points a game. So like it, it's like they're <laughs> the opponents are efficiently using the very little yards that they're giving up. Um, and what what does that show us? They're Brandon? getting they're getting the ball on short field plays. Yes. Field is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Yep, that's that's bad for Cincinnati for sure. Great for us, but yeah, um, great for us if we got we got to make them pay. But yeah, yeah, great for us. yeah, we didn't make them pay last week because we had that one. Like on the 40 or whatever from the punt return but now that oklahoma took our lunch money we didn't make them pay for it <laughs> yeah they they did and we, we had to buy them dinner too um oh, but yeah they like to play a lot of three-man front and and they're, they're really high on bringing the safety in for a blitz they they do a lot of a lot of things defensively to disguise their their packages and um it's going to be another test for garrett because they do a lot of things similarly up front that the Oklahoma does, and I think that's going to be another test for the the offensive line and another test for for Garrett. Because last week, you know, he 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 admitted it. Neil said it too. He just was seeing too much, and that's that's that was the game plan. I think was to get a, a quarterback with not a lot of playing time, a lot of starting time, and and confusing him, and it worked. So I uh, yeah I I think that's going to be the same challenge this week. Is this this uh this defense isn't bad? They've just kind of been but in crappy situations from the offense. Yeah, th- this defense is good. Uh, I They had six returning starters last year. Um, they've got a kid. So Ivan Pace Jr. was a linebacker that played for them. I think he's on the Vikings now, I want to say. Um, really solid player. I, re- I wanted him to come to the Bengals. Uh, that did not happen. Uh, but he has a brother on this team named Deshaun Pace, who is the safety this dude is the guy that they like to bring on safety blitz, which I've been advocating WVU to do more, and we've still yet to see that. That's still another gripe that I have, but I digress. <laughs> uh, Deshaun Pace, 10 tackles for loss, a sack and a half, and to go along with an INT. This is their this is their um, Carl Joseph. Like, that's what I, I compare okay. him to. He's the guy that, like, he's not the ball hawk type player, but he's the guy who is going to make you pay when you run the ball or when you take too much time in the pocket. They're going to bring him, and he's fast. A couple other guys to talk about. They have a guy named Jack Dingle. I picked him, one, because I think his name is funny, (laughs) and two, uh, this guy is what WVU should be praying that they can find in the next recruiting class because he's not a backfield guy. Like He's not going to make you pay a ton um, in the backfield. He's got five tackles for loss on the season. But he has 50 total tackles. This guy knows how to wrap up, which we're all praying WVU learns to do. <laughs> they were great. WVU was was great at it at the beginning of the year, and they just kind of forgot. 
Dingle didn't. Dingle's out there. You're, you're going to have to, if you dingle a tackle in front of him, <laughs> he's snatching it. That's his. Those tackles are his. Uh, last guy, this defense, I'm telling you, relies on safety play. Uh, there's a guy named Byron Threats, and I promise you he is a threat, Brandon. <laughs> Where do they get these guys? Nine. I know. <laughs> I love this. I love that I can make Is that what we're know, lacking in our team is we just don't have any cool names? I mean, we got Beanie Bishop, and, I mean, he is our best player, I Yeah, think. but he's our best player. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, get better names, Oh, my Neil. gosh. Uh, somebody get Neil on the horn. We might be able to save him from Jimbo. Uh, God, Jimbo's <laughs> such a good name, though. <laughs> Oh boy, Neil. Oh no, <laughs> Neil. Oh no, oh, Neil. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Chad. Oh, dude, and you got Chad Scott on. Look, Chad Scott's great, but that name, man. Yeah. Two first names. Oh Two no. Two first names. You guys, Jimbo. Uh, he's coming. Anyway, safety <laughs> Byron threats is a threat. Forty-nine total tackles, two picks, five pass deflections. Uh, he is their ball hawk. He's the guy that's all over the field. And you have to, if you're Garrett, you got to know where this guy is, especially uh, when you're throwing the ball deep. I will say, this is a very similar defense to Iowa State. They they attack a lot at the line of scrimmage. You can beat them down the field, but you have to throw the ball. Mm -hmm. You cannot, you cannot rely on the run against this team. Yeah. They are, in all honesty, they are a terrible matchup for us on the defensive side. They're they're good at stuffing the run. Uh, they can be beat over the top because they bring so much pressure. Uh, it's going to be difficult for us to win this game if we're not throwing the ball. And, and if we're not throwing the ball down the field. It cannot be wide receiver screens, halfback screen. It has to be down the field. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's, that's the defense for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's going to be, uh, again, like I said earlier, I think that this is going to be another challenging matchup for, for Garrett, and I think that the whole offense is really going to have to come into their own and, and really bounce back from whatever they want to call that performance last week. Um, yeah. Last thing we'll talk about, special teams. No, we don't have a lot of notes on this, but I will say that I believe Neil touched on they have a pretty solid punter. He's an Australian punter, which at this point, I think everyone just assumes that your punter is Australian. Um, lanky guy, and, <laughs> yeah. and he can, like, and he can kick day, mate. Yeah, he's, I think he's averaging almost 50 yards a, a punt. So, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the real deal. So special teams is going to be another, another tricky one. If, if, if we are able to stop them, they're going to pin us, and we're going to have to prove ourselves on offense. So. I'm going to try and do this off the top of my head. I believe I'm not looking at notes because I forgot to add special teams. Sorry, Tim Lindsay. Um, <laughs> shout out, Tim. <laughs> yeah, shout out, Tim. Uh, shout out the real Brady, Phil Brady. Uh, anyway, the, the kicker has not missed an extra point all year. I think he's missed three field goals. They tend to not kick a ton uh, on, you know, field goal wise. Hunter is good, and special teams is pretty decent. Uh, I'm not going to say Preston's going to return one to the house. Watch, he's going to return one this game. Oh, my gosh. Because I, also, I mean, another guy has a cool name, out. Preston Fox. Yep. That's oh. why he's best player on this team. Anyway, uh, but I do think that he could get us in a great field goal or great field position um, by returning a couple of punts. Also, last thing I want to add, kick return has to be much better this week. It was yeah. atrocious last week. We didn't get to return a bunch, but 
I don't know. I'm just so disappointed in special teams this year that it it just continues to be so lackluster. Uh, so uh, yeah. So going back to your initial question today, that could be a place that might need a change too. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, definitely some consistency issues there. We have, we have and they win right games. spots. Special teams wins games. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tim Lindsay told us that. Yep. And I believe Tim ah. and Phil. <laughs> Dude, Phil, we need to get Phil in here. Phil Brady for life. All right. Well, uh, that sums up our preview of this coming week's game. And next is our impact player of the week. Who we got, John? Uh, this was a, this was a tricky one because I thought there, there could be enough or there could be a, you know, a, a good bit. Uh, you had said initially Zach Frazier, which I agree, but I, I just think Zach Frazier brings it a lot of the time, yeah. right? Like he's a great it's player. Expected. It's kind of like picking the quarterback. Of course yeah. he has to have a good game. So he's like, a, he, yeah, he's an honorable mention, right? Like sure. he's a guy who, uh, off topic, just want to let you know, uh, is showing up in a lot of Cincinnati Bengals mock drafts. Just saying. So, well, maybe uh, the Eagles will get him. You never know. Frazier to the <laughs> Bengals confirmed is all I'm saying. Uh, Brandon Yates is going to be our impact player this week. The reason why it's twofold. One, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I think Brandon is, I feel like I'm talking to you. Yeah, um, you are. So maybe, I, maybe I should say Yates. Uh, <laughs> no, it's funny if I say Brandon, I think Brandon has struggled this year. I do. I, I think that he's gotten some unfortunate penalties at pretty terrible times, uh, on drives. They've been drive killers. I think that he has struggled with. Uh, blitz on the interior line but i also think brandon's a good player yeah so he's also been moved around a lot too which i think he's been the kind that's of a, the a, a swiss army knife for us yeah that's the other problem is he hasn't established a spot yep. right well this this is the game he can do that yep. and that's why i think he should be the impact player because you're gonna have blitz on the interior offensive line we're used to seeing blitzes come off the edge especially in college football cincinnati brings it on the interior they're a lineup and hit you in the face at the line type of team. Brandon Yates is a big dude who, when he has been successful, has been successful at establishing himself at the line of scrimmage when it comes to a blitz. But I don't think he's seen it at this level in terms of, you know, how many times it's going to happen over this game. Brandon has the ability to show that he's the guy who should be cemented in that guard position. Um, But he's going to have to show it this game. And and I think he's got to be the guy who, is focused on the interior offensive line. Cause I think Frazier, like I said, always is going to bring it. Yates has to be the other guy. Okay. Well, that's uh sums up our impact player of the week. Um, Brandon Yates, just for recap and let's move on to John. And I think from our feedback, everybody's favorite segment. And that is Ooh. this week. We're going to call it, Little spreads with Big John. <laughs> I don't know. The first one I've, I see you got written down is a pretty big spread. <laughs> yeah, that that's the joke. Uh, so oh, okay. like the first game we've got is Oklahoma versus BYU. Uh, Oklahoma's favored by just a mere 24 and a half points. <laughs> <laughs> at BYU. At BYU. Yeah, at BYU, which is, I don't think, and if you went back in the history of BYU, all the way back to the 1700s, you probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't even see a spread this high because they always win in Provo. So, 
it uh it's surprising is it a night game oh no it's not it's it's a it's a noon game or a early Uh, afternoon game game over i'm picking oklahoma not even not even vampires will still be sleeping thought oklahoma by 26 (laughs) oklahoma by 26 you're you're taking it (laughs) that's where i'm going that's where i'm going well all i know is this if oklahoma comes out looking like they came out last week they might win by 100 but not so fast. <laughs> not so fast, my friend. Not so fast, my friend. I think that uh, BYU covers this. I, I, I've said this every single week, and I think I've been right at least one time. So I'm going to stay with this, <laughs> and I'm going to say that. I think I've been right on a pick before. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been right at least one time. I think that anytime it's a three-touchdown spread, uh, don't touch it, number one. But number two uh oh. bet with the home team oh wait a second hold on time out you were right last week okay i will admit this okay but i like when you, I like you violated you violated that rule last week did i yeah oh no remember the uh was it the baylor game that had a huge what game had a huge line where tim and i said yeah we just don't like over 15 Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> you know, so, sometimes, re- sometimes documentation these. of these types of things, like <laughs> online recordings, it's not great for for, for rapport. But nonetheless, I oh, I still boy. think that Hold this on, is uh, look at <laughs> it, it was it was twenty and a half. Thank God we have notes. I I knew it. And you picked it, <laughs> and I picked it absolutely. That's because Kansas State's yeah. the real I mean, deal. You you were right. You were right. Oklahoma's a bunch of posers. I don't believe in them. They got lucky last oh, week. I don't know. That's a whole lot of luck. That's what they're saying in the locker room this week. All right. I don't <laughs> believe it. I'm still going to Oklahoma. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm going to take BYU on this one. Uh, next game we've right. got is Oklahoma State minus six and a half versus Houston at Houston. I'm, I'm so mad at Oklahoma State. <laughs> I, I called Vegas. Yeah. Last week. Did you get a refund? <laughs> and embar- I embarrassed myself. I told everybody to call Vegas. And I just, I can't get over them embarrassing like that. But, I mean, hold on, my phone's ringing. Hello? No, I don't want to do it. Okay. I, all right. Anyway, that was Vegas. Uh, they wanted me to thank them again for this line, which I will do right after. Uh, Oklahoma State minus six and a half is a steal. I don't care what happened last week. It was a fluke. Houston's got nothing for my boys in Oklahoma. Oklahoma State minus six and a half. Maybe an alternative line minus 10. That's how, that's how well I'm feeling. I'll call Vegas later. Okay, yeah, let them know that they really messed up on this. But, but go ahead and get that bet in before you have them make a change. And while you're at it, John, go ahead and double that down and, and put my name next to it. I'm going to take Oklahoma State minus six and a half as well. I like it. I agree. Yeah, it's mostly I, I because Dana Holgerson just kick rocks. I'll bet against him every day of the week. Hate him. Yeah, the worst. Hate that guy. You know who isn't the worst? All right, next. Jimbo. Next game. Nope. <laughs> Jimbo's got a great name. God, Neil, why is your name so bad? Yeah. Ugh. I'm just kidding, Neil. Neil, you got a great name. I can't wait to have you on the show. That's true, actually. 
Uh, next game, we've got Kansas State minus eight and a half versus Kansas in Kansas. Who you got? Could be the last home game for Coach Leipold, by the way. Ooh. Never know. Never know what could happen. Um, anyways, <laughs> I've got Kansas State. I think that I'm beyond talking about all the things that need to happen for, for West Virginia to make it to the Big 12 game. I'm just going to back the dog that I think is going to win the race, and that is Kansas State. I think that they're the real deal. So Kansas State to the moon. Mm, I like it. Uh, Again, pretty upset at Kansas because I'm pretty sure I made a phone call in that game too. You did. Uh, And I wanted to address that on this show because I have an excuse to make. (laughs) And that that is – that Kansas backup quarterback that's been playing pretty well went down very early, and then they put in a third stringer who has never played, I think, a down of football in his life. Literally, yeah. Um, because he was he looked very scared the entire time, <laughs> and um, so I'm not counting that against me because you know it's an injury, right? Like who would have thought it? Who would have thunk, right? Uh, I'm not making that mistake this week. Kansas State by a lot. Uh, I don't think this game's close. Uh, if if Kansas pulls this out, it won't surprise me. Or if they cover, it won't surprise me. But Kansas State just seems to be the way more consistent team. Yeah. I like Kansas. I've said that all year. But they're just so up and down. And it's because of the injuries. Like, that's all it is. Uh, I think that they're a good team overall. But I got Kansas State covering. Yeah, is is Jalen Daniels ever going to play football? I, I'm, I'm confused of what that whole situation is. But... I I just looked. I actually looked before we made this pick because I wanted to be like I wanted to have an aha. Got you, Brandon. Um, but he's coming back, and this is why I'm picking Kansas. But no, but not so fast, my gonna, friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bean's probably going to be the guy again. Uh, I don't think he has enough for Kansas State. Alrighty. Well, next game up, we've got Texas seven and a half point favorite over Iowa State in Ames. In Ames, woo wee. Uh. Let's see. Is Ewers back? I asked this last last week too. Yep, and they announced uh, on three um, announced that he is coming back next year. He'll be back for oh, twenty twenty four season. I didn't even know he had eligibility. I thought he's already used all of it, but apparently he's available for twenty twenty four. So he will be back next year. I wonder if that. I wonder if that will affect Arch Manning. Wonder if he'll leave. Oh God, I hope so. Washington needs a quarterback. Yep. Jimbo? Jimbo's probably on the phone. Jimbo was on the phone with him. Called, yeah, I was gonna say. Jimbo's Jimbo's called Peyton. He's already called Eli. He's like, hey, bud, let's get this boy over here. That's right. Uh, to West Virginia. They're like, they're like, Jimbo, you're not the coach. He's like, I already made the call. Neil's upset. Uh, did you see his last presser? <laughs> that's Brandon why Williams was, will tell you all about that's it. That's why he was so sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh we're pretty close with Jimbo on this show. Anyway, uh I got I got Iowa State covering. I don't think that Texas has enough I, I think texas probably wins i don't think they have enough to beat him by eight here's what i need to see happen here is i need to see texas lose and here's why because i i want to <laughs> well, i'd like that i want nothing more than oklahoma and texas final season in the big 12 to have them not playing football in december for a big 12 championship that'd be cool so yeah, so I, I think I told you this before. I think Iowa State, of the remaining teams, I think that uh, they still play Kansas State this year, or did they already play them, or they don't play them at all? 
probably got lucky. Uh, I don't know. They only got they only got one more game. Yep, and they uh, yep they already played Kansas State. They played them. Oh yeah, they lost, didn't they? No, can uh, Texas. Or no, they. Is this correct? Is that game last week? What? It wasn't last Dude. week. November fourth. Am I dumb? Okay, that was the week before that. Two weeks ago, Texas beat them. Yes. I was like, I was yes, looking. Sir. I'm like, what? What do you mean they played last week? Yeah, so they won in overtime, barely. Um, so yeah, I think of the two teams remaining, which is Iowa State and Texas Tech, that Iowa State is by far the only team left that I think can beat Texas, and I think that the, the, they do it. I I do an alternative spread here and say, or just do the money line. I'm gonna do the money line. I think Iowa State money line. That's fair. Or if you like spreads and want to parlay, then parlay them being the spread. But uh, Next up, we've got Baylor versus TCU. TCU, 12.5 point favorite in TCU. Which I feel like, did they have like 12 home games this year? I feel like every week they're playing a home. They Yeah, they, they bought the schedule. <laughs> they, must have had, they must have literally had seven. Because I remember when I went to TCU game, I think that was their fourth home game. Out of five games, yeah. something like that. I mean, everyone was complaining sounds about like it. Like they've had a lot then. Oh, yeah, so they've had a lot. Um, I don't know if you can hear this, Brandon. This is hello. This is me. Is that ringing? Just d- dial in a phone number real quick. Oh, hey, hey Jimbo. Hey, real quick. Uh, no, Jimbo. No, okay, you're not Jimbo. Okay, just making sure. Uh, just want to thank you once again for the uh, for the lines here. Uh, this line's atrocious. I don't know who hurt you, but I hope they do it again so I can get some more beautiful lines like this. Uh, T's and P's, brother. That was Vegas. I just got off the horn. Uh, I just wanted to thank them one last time for this. There's no way TCU wins this game by 13. Yeah, no way. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. I'm slamming Baylor. I don't know who made this. But I think that they mixed this up and thought that this was like early TCU, where they're where everybody just guesses that they're good. Um, I think they, they thought this was the basketball Baylor game. Did they mix? Did they mix this up? That could be true. That could be true. Well, Baylor's better than them in basketball. Uh, not last year. Yeah, yeah, true. Baylor's not losing by by thirteen points. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. I I think that Baylor covers this. Uh, I don't think that they get on the horn. Call Vegas. Yeah, thank them. And we do need to have a disclaimer. Um, once again, the first episode, if you go back, I did have a disclaimer, so it's out there. We're covered, but, uh, you know, we're not liable if you make these bets. We're just telling you as betting professionals. <laughs> no, well, we're not. No, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. We, we do not know what we're doing. <laughs> if you go back and listen, I, I miss a lot. Brandon misses a lot. If you are dumb enough to listen to us. That is on you, okay? We're not telling you to make these picks. We're saying that these would be ours. This would be our bet slip, our imaginary bet slip. So if you want to come <laughs> along for the ride, cool. If you don't, don't. But we are not telling you which way to do things. We're just saying this is this is how we see things. Exactly. So those of so. you who texted me asking about refunds last week for John's picks... We got nothing for you. <laughs> yeah, and about Brandon's the week before. We see we're all bad. We're so bad. We're... Uh, second but anyway, to last get game. on the horn, call Vegas. Yeah, get on, yeah, we're telling you exactly what to do. Um, 
No, don't do Brandon, <laughs> do not undermine the disclaimer. <laughs> All right. So second to last game we've got here is UCF versus Texas Tech. Texas Tech is a two and a half point favorite. John, this is are you are, are you gonna call Vegas three times tonight? I'm not calling Vegas on this. You don't think you're calling Vegas? I think I'm calling Vegas on this. I'm not he, oh, you are. I think I'm calling. Ring, ring. Hello? Vegas? Uh-oh. What's that? They on the horn? You said, oh, this wasn't wrong? You said Texas Tech two and a half in Lubbock, huh? Okay. All right. All right. Well, go ahead and put me down for um, UCF covering that probably by 10 or so if you want to create an alternative spread or or just give me the money line, whatever's, whatever's better for me because um, this is free money. So go ahead and just, just mark us down. Again, we're not claiming that this is free money. Brandon is just saying things to make himself feel better about his pick. Uh, but I will say Brandon's pick is probably right. I'm going UCF as well. I just, these are two teams I just don't trust. Like UCF, great last week, but like has also put up plenty of duds. Texas Tech, I don't know what's up with them. They're like, they they are just so weirdly overrated like but then randomly show up so i don't know these two teams are mind-boggling but i think ucs ucf covers this yeah texas tech just can't finish a game i don't think they've finished a game yet this no, season they can't and ucf they showed last week that they can shut down a successful run game which is what texas was doing and i uh I just think that this, I mean, I know it's Lubbock, so that that's kind of the wild card in this whole thing is that it's Lubbock. I think this this is neutral ground or at UCF, it's probably a giant spread for UCF, but um, I still think it's not enough, so UCF for sure covers, I think. Yeah. And our final game, the one that you've all been waiting for, Cincinnati at the world champion Mountaineers. WVU, six and a half point favorite. What do you got, John? Uh, look, I know I talked it up. <laughs> I talked about how good this defense is. Okay. I talked about how this offense could turn it up. I talked about Garrett Green being a little lost. I talked about Neil having a dumb name compared to Jimbo. Okay. I've said it all tonight. Accurate. But. You got to get on the horn for this one, brother. You got to get on the horn. You call Vegas. You say Vegas. Thanks again. I appreciate it. You underestimating the West Virginia Mountaineers because there is no way in on God's green earth that Cincinnati covers this. There's no way. WVU wins this game by plus 10. I'm calling it now. They're going to win by more than 10 points. It's not going to be close. Zach Frazier. Yates, Nestor, all them big boys up front will control the line. Vegas will be crying by the end of the day because WVU, all of their fans, will have taken all of the Vegas money. Again, disclaimer, not telling you to make this bet. (laughs) Just telling you. Just telling you, as an irrational person, WVU will win by 10 points. I love it. Um, I'm not going to make the alternative spread here. But I will say, I, I do think that WVU is going to win. I think that um, we have a lot to prove after last week. I think Neil's going to be fired up. I think the team's got to be fired up. Um, and I, I think of the last two games, I don't think this is the one that we that we dropped another egg. So 
or lay another egg rather. So I think uh, WV covers. I think that's that's a safe pick. I like it. Well, that's all for us. I like it for uh, for episode five, John. Anything else? Well, just one more thing, Brandon. As always, let's go.